Food and Beverage Magazine Live, bringing food and beverage to life with your hosts, James Beard Award winner Jennifer English and Food and Beverage Magazine publisher Michael Politz. Featuring leaders in the hospitality, branded food and beverage, and CPG industries, many of whom are Jennifer and Michael's friends in the business. For an informal and informative conversation where friends in the business share the latest intel, ideas, and best practices. Live, juicy inside scoop from the tastemakers, newsmakers, bread bakers, drink shakers, spoon lickers, clam diggers, farms, foodies, and friends of the food and beverage magazine world. Here are your hosts, Jennifer English and Michael Politz. Hi, kids. How's that smile? We're ready yeah, to go. Good. We have such a, first of all, it's been an amazing week. Wait, I want to do that smile again. We have a really, really amazing show today because we have phenomenal guests who've done extraordinary things. We're going into our Memorial Day weekend, and we've got really good friends in the business joining us. And we're glad you're here. How are you holding up? Because there's a lot of shifting sand under our feet in this business. What well, uh, I will tell you that the, the, the sand is shifting. See how oh, quick that moves? Whoops. I had a very interesting conversation today with a very large brand of, let's just say a very large syrup maker. But there's also, <laughs> they're, they're a big soda pop company. And uh, we're trying to work on an initiative together. I don't want to say the name until I have a signed contract. I don't want to stealing my ideas. Um, to basically help the restaurant owners, you know, restart, right? Yeah. Restart from the pandemic. And it's very scary. They've been out for two, three months almost. They don't know whether they're going to be able to pay their rent. They don't know if someone's going to walk through the door, right? I'm visualizing, I'm seeing what's gonna happen. I don't know whether I'm right or I'm wrong, but I'm hoping they can succeed from this nonsense, right? right? I think that, and I had, and part of my conversation was, hey, it, when they first came up with their restaurant concepts, um, they had a spark inside of them, Jen, a spark, right? Like a flame. You know what a spark is, honey? It like ignites you, right? Well, it makes and you fearless. It makes you fearless, but it also says, hey, when you're thinking about opening a restaurant, everyone's coming at you going, oh, my God, do you know how to make a million dollars in a restaurant? Start with 10 million. Right. Same thing Andy Cobb said to us. Right. So everybody's sort of coming at them and they're but all. But this spark and this fearlessness is dissolving and puffing all these negative away. Right. And they're focused on opening their restaurant. Right. I want to try to figure out a way to bring that spark back up to them because they're going to need it now. Yeah. Right. They're going to need it now. And I don't think. I don't, I see a lot of other media outlets and, you know, I'm, I, I don't mind bashing them because that's who we are. When you're the biggest and the best, you don't have to Jennifer, but I will. Anybody, come on. I don't like the fact that, okay, you can pay me to do a webinar to give information out to help someone's business. I don't like it. Right. I, information should flow. It should be fr right. flowing information to the restaurant over, owner to help them. Cause we didn't invent anything. We're just you putting it all together. We're putting it all together. We're talking to great people like our guests, our guests today, our guests yesterday. We're learning. Everybody's learning right now. There is no expert in this. I don't care what anybody says. There is no expert in what's going on today, except but, maybe yeah, me. Well, not, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take. I, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna argue with you slightly. You can because I'm the expert, and that's why I wrote the book on opening a restaurant yes. and how to succeed. Okay, go ahead. Right. If you listen to this show each day this week, 
you will have learned something really powerful and useful and valuable. But when we're talking about the reigniting of fearlessness in entrepreneurs, we go back to earlier in the week when we talked to the director of innovation for the Ocean Spray Corporation, who said that you have to be, and this was echoed by multiple guests this week. It was almost like a theme. We didn't direct the theme. We just set the table. We create the platform. We hold the space and we invite people to come and say what they say. And when they come and they visit with us, that, that theme emerges as you look at the fullness of the week. And the theme was, you have got to be fearless in what you pursue about making mistakes and failing well, because it, those, those aren't failures. They're, they're just your lessons. Anyway, I, I don't want to make our guest wait. I just want to say one more thing. Okay. Uh, because we're going to fight over the last word and I'm going to get it. You're I always, always give it to you. That information should be free and that information should flow. Right. And we're learning. And that's why we're here is to help with information and the flow of information for the benefit of their commerce. Now, Go ahead and announce our next guest, our first guest for today's show. Right. So uh, Maya Kamal is somebody who is well-known in our industry. Uh, Previously, she had an extraordinary career uh, in publications um, and most famously in the photography that would grace covers of magazines like Savour. Uh, I miss Savour in my career. I've had Coleman Andrews on so many times regularly. One of the great storytellers, one of the rich narrative storytellers in the food space. But Maya Kamala is is perhaps today most well known for being the namesake and founder of the Maya Kamal Foods Company. Uh, Creators and purveyors, manufacturers and distributors, teachers and delighters of foods that have a root in a tradition and an origin that dates back. I think we even have a picture of her with one of her aunties learning how to make some of those beautiful blends. The cuisine of India is such, there we go. The cuisine of India is such that we can talk about flavor chords and spices. And as you see, oh, there's her family with the Taj Mahal in the background. That's fantastic. So, now, Taj Mahal is also a singer, I believe, from Hawaii. Yes. I may be wrong. Go ahead. Sorry, Maybe. did I throw you off? Well, you know what? It's okay, because let's bring her on. Maya, come on. Maya, come on. How are you? Thanks. Okay, thank you. She's joining us from her kitchens in uh, upstate New York, where she oftentimes, I'm going to imagine, finds inspiration and uh, does her own innovation. But as you can see from my name, it says Mrs. Spices. I love spices. Yeah, it's impossible to talk about Indian food without talking about spices. Uh, so we have a lot to talk about today. But welcome. Thanks for coming and being with us. Thank you. It's a pleasure. So talk about talk about your company and how you went from from being someone who had this as a culinary tradition to being somebody who became one of the leaders in the industry about bringing Indian food and, and, and flavors to life? Well, um, so I guess it started for me because my, my father's from India and I, I traveled there a lot. I grew up eating his versions of Indian food and both my parents were great cooks, but it was this kind of experimenting that my dad was doing that really like, it just kind of, you know, became 
my the food I most connected to. And so um, that ended up uh, becoming the inspiration for doing some cookbooks that featured Indian, you know, family recipes. And those ten, those most of the recipes were from the southern part of India, which has a very different flavor profile from what you get in restaurants that, you know, people I think are starting to understand that there's regional differences, but they're very significant. And so if all you eat is restaurant food, then you only really know North Indian cooking. So I was tasting these things in my, you know, home and then eating in restaurants as, uh, um, as a young professional in New York, and there was no kind of seeming connection. And that got me kind of going in, which started out as cookbooks and, uh, became like a way to show people there's more to the cuisine than what they might think, you know, what they understood it to be. And then that sort of morphed into, you know, writing a lot of articles and doing, you know, being guests on TV shows and, and talking a lot about Indian food the way I was experiencing it. And then um, after working at Savour, I launched my business um, because the publishing industry was not, really going well. <laughs> so, what year did you launch Maya Kamal Foods? It was 2003. So yeah, the landscape then was so different, right? There was there was not a lot on the Indian shelves. They were mostly imports. And I had a friend who owns, um, owned a chain of, of Manhattan uh, gourmet food stores called Gourmet Garage. His name's Andy Aarons. And he um, and I met him through my husband, uh, just gotten married. And he said, you know, you're you know, I love your food. Why don't you make some sauces for me? And, you know, I'll sell them in my store. I'll be your first customer. And, uh, you know, it's like, oh, why do you say no to that, though? I well, I, I was at, at that time I had a job and it was like, oh, I can't I cannot figure that out. But then then I lost my job. <laughs> And then I was like, you know, maybe that's a really good idea. And so, yeah, you know, pivot to trying to understand um, what it meant to, you know, get a manufacturer to turn my home recipes into, you know, giant kettles of sauce. So that was, yeah, it took about a year to figure it out. And my husband was a big supporter. We had just had twins. So life was like utterly insane, but probably... You know, if I launched the company, I probably wouldn't have had the babies. And if, you know, if I had the babies first, I probably wouldn't have launched the company. So I think it's better that it just all happened in one like chaotic year. So let's go back a step and say that not you, you, you mentioned so humbly that you created uh, cookbooks of family recipes. In fact, you were awarded the Julia Child Prize from the International Association of Culinary Professionals the highest honor a book can earn. Uh, you even were with Julia uh, when you won that prize. I, I think you mentioned it was 1997. That's right. Uh, there you are with the, the great lady herself. Um, I love that. Um, that gave you a lot of credibility in a category that had yet to really come to its full bloom. And, and while people treated certain ethnic cuisines. And I'm, I'm gonna talk about being at an IACP conference, International Association of Culinary Professionals. In fact, there were several um, seminars over the years that have talked about the fact that culturally and cuisine-wise, 
we approach things like Chinese food or Mexican food or Indian food as a monolith. Exactly. When in fact, nothing could be further from the truth. And we began to learn, thanks to people like you and Coleman Andrews and the teams at Savor that went on these beautiful deep dives into the stories of regionality that highly differentiated the cuisine as we would come to know it, but had not yet met in our mouths yet. Right. It, exactly. I mean, I think people sort of figured out, oh, there's a difference between Northern Italian food and Southern Italian food. But but that was sort of as far as regional understanding of cuisine went. And there's just a massive education. I mean, China alone like has these highly developed, very separate cuisines and, and India too. But I mean, there's there's a lot to learn. And in India, it's is a hard place to get your arms around. And so I understand that it's taken a while for people to have a have a grasp on it because there's just a lot going on in every region. And so parsing it, you know, and seeing the the differences and the nuances from one to another can be can be a challenge. So Having a global expert like yourself on with us is such a marvelous honor and wonderful opportunity for us all to learn. If it's not our native cuisine, if it's not our passion cuisine, what can you teach us sort of simply when you meet people who've never had an introduction to Indian food? How do you describe this beautiful, complex Delicious bouquet, bouquet of flavors. Bo can we say that? Bouquet of flavors. <laughs> I mean, I like to in the like yeah. Indian food, one of my favorite, and it's a bouquet of flavors. I think right. that's a nice metaphor. Sometimes, like, you know, art comes to mind, like sort of a you know, a palette of colors that come together. Um, music is another metaphor. Um and music works be the best for me because I think of the spices as having different notes and cumin and coriander, like the base notes. And they really like provide the foundation for curries. And then you, you start to layer on like, you know, your woodwinds and <laughs> you get your, your uh, turmeric and your cayenne and your black pepper. And then you have your high notes, which are like your cinnamon, clove, cardamom, fennel, which kind of take you to these, these other places and are used in much smaller amounts. So, you know, those all together, they come to create one flavor where you should not be able to say, oh, this has cinnamon in it. Like it should become something all on its own. Like a symphony. Like a symphony, yes. And it's funny that you say that symphony because I always say watching Jennifer interview people is like watching a symphony. <laughs> Jennifer, how many times have I said that? More than once. But what's really interesting is is we we talk often because there is something really harmonious about the notion of music and food having really common architecture and elements that really allow us to say things like chords of flavor and yeah, people like that. know what we're talking about. Um, and one of the things, is, as you know, you know, I'm I'm all about the spices. I, I've been in the spice business for a long time, and and I used to have a spice store, and 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 did a lot with that. One of the beautiful things about spices that almost escapes the sort of when you watch Food Network today, you see, but you didn't always. 
was the blooming of the spices. Yeah, yeah. Talk a little, that, that was one of the most fundamental yeah. aspects of Indian cuisine that to me, I cheer for. Because once you have those techniques, and they're simple, simple techniques, mm -hmm. it transforms food completely. It does. And I think that, that Indians have really deeply explored how to get a lot of flavor out of spices. How you, you can pull different flavors out of the same spice, right? So blooming is, is that lovely technique where you're adding seeds often, um, mustard seeds, uh, especially, uh, or cumin seeds, but you add them to hot oil and then they, they release their flavor. In, mustard seeds pop and explode a little bit. And then all of a sudden they've added this kind of nutty lovely flavor to the oil and then you you drop in uh you know dried red chilies which put in a little heat and then uh fresh curry leaves which go in and like crackle like crazy because they're they've got so much moisture in them and release an amazing herby kind of almost like citrusy uh fragrance and also flavor that oil. So that's your, your beginning place for your, for your curry. Then you're going to build everything on top of that beautiful oil. Many of us are home with pantries that have spices, both old and new. And almost everybody will have elements of the core components of Indian cuisine without realizing we do. Yeah. Because it's not that there's something such an exotic rare ingredient. Okay, maybe I need fenugreek or something else. But 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 by and large, talk a little bit about about having maybe a little exploration this weekend, this Memorial Day weekend, in your own spice cupboard, with yeah. the influences of of your inspiration. What should we yeah. go look for in our spice cabinet? What what can we do with them? So well, of course. Um, if you have mustard seeds, you can do that technique I just described, and you could pour it over, say, like a, you know, cauliflower puree soup or a potato leek soup or some some just really nice basic soup. This will add a little finishing touch that brings a new dimension to it. But something like um, like cumin seeds, right? They're they're lovely, and if you toast them and grind them, um, you can add them to to beans or um, and you don't you don't um, you don't even have to grind them. You could just toast them and add them to vegetables. Add them to I like to add them to um, potatoes when I roast them, right? right? Or carrots when I roast them. So um, and then you know turmeric is is lovely. Everybody's kind of you know overboard about it, but I think um, the key to turmeric is using it in small amounts, not these like teaspoonful that I see going into recipes. It's like, ah, it's going to be really bitter. But if you just like say you're sauteing um, like Swiss chard or any, you know, any kind of nice green that's starting to come out in the markets now, um, I just drop like a little chili flake and a little turmeric and saute the greens. And um, it actually makes a, a more vibrant color green too. So I love that. Let's talk about your line. When you decided you were going to go into production, did you have to find co-packers, or did you start What's buzzing? Do you hear that buzzing, Jen? I hear. Is that, that. A, a phone? Someone's phone vibrating. That's all right. All right, stop. Sorry about that. Go ahead, Jen. I just didn't um, want everyone. Yeah. No. Um, 
can you can you talk about starting the company up and and going into production and and first of all where can we find it today yeah um well they're sold in whole foods our products are in target <laughs> but we're in basically every natural food store we're in um uh, albertson's safeways where um we're getting more and more distribution in mainstream stores um Hannaford's tops. I mean, I guess it depends on where, what stop and shop, sh shop, right. You know, so we're pretty widely available and um, we, and we're on Amazon, of course, too. And, uh, and you manufacture in, in one. So uh, no, we have, so we have a bunch of different lines. Um, I'm actually here in my test kitchen at the office. I didn't want my dog barking and my family running around. So I decided I'd come to my, we, we wanted that. Maya, I have that right now. Every time I cut out, I'm changing a diaper or grabbing something from the front door. Everything is at once happening. I guess that's kind of what life looks like now, but I just did, I just too distracting for me. So, um, but so we started uh, out with sauces. So the simmer sauces are made at one facility that, you know, specializes in big steam jackets. liquids and jars and stuff. Yeah. And then um, then we do dolls, dolls being like uh, Indian cooked lentils, um, you know, seasoned uh, split peas or lentils or um, legumes. And those are like a really important part of Indian cuisine because they're a source of protein for a lot of uh, vegetarians. And they go perfectly with rice. Rice and dal is like the rice and beans of India. So those are made in South Carolina. The sauces are made in Texas. I mean, each each product line um need, you know requires specific equipment and so i can't use one to make everything that that right. we use see this is all fascinating because people are going to have to reimagine and reinvent our culinary world and it could have been i'm sure somebody said to you this is complex maya why don't you just open a restaurant oh gosh yeah oh. <laughs> Michael's laughing. Um, <laughs> it's like, well, because well, thank God she didn't. I'm talking right now. Let's talk about that. Well, <laughs> I, I agree. I mean, and she looks so prescient in so many ways for doing this. Yeah, gosh. Say, I, can I say something about Indian restaurants? Please. Do you mind? No. I, I'm waiting for Jennifer. I want Jennifer to give me the go green light because you know, um, I love them. Right. I mean, I go. I live in Las Vegas, but anywhere I go. I'll go to the Bombay Bicycle Club or I'll go, hey, I'm friends with a lot of the different guys that own these places, right? So I'll always stop in, always have a meal. I love it. I think, and if you think about it, what, what the Indian restaurant has done to the consumer across America just by having the lunch buffets. Yeah. Has, has, no, it's funny because you sort of joke, everyone sort of, oh, I'll go to the Indian restaurant and have a lunch buffet. But the reality is whoever thought of that was genius because they wouldn't know what to do when you go back for dinner. You right. wouldn't know what you like, exactly. what's too hot, what you don't like. I... You go to a buffet, and um, my friend Paul Coley opened up a restaurant in the Rio. I can't remember what the name of it was. It was a fantastic, very world-famous Indian restaurant. And he even had a beautiful lunch, brunch. You know, He actually did it on Sunday mornings as well. And at night, the place was packed. But mm -hmm. I don't, and he agreed. We talked a lot about it. He's one of the owners of Yogi Tea. Mm, so, no, yeah. so, so he knows, you know, and whoever just started this trend, right? I don't even know it's yeah. a trend anymore. It's, it's a, um, it was brilliant because it opens up the palates for everyone else to try. Because there's, 
Yeah. Even if you're like, oh, I don't like Indian food. Bull. I call bull BS on that because there is something at that, on that buffet that you tell me you don't like butter chicken or, it's, you know, whatever it is, right? Um, yeah, I know. No, masala, I, come on. Great. I love that you said that because I am a big, like, believer in the, the buffet, too. And it gets so, you know, it gets such a bad rep. But actually, it's the way Indians eat, right? They have lots of different things going on on the plate at one time. So things are served family style all the yep. time. Ethiopian yep. as well. Have you been to an Ethiopian restaurant? It's the yeah, same thing, right? That. You go in and you get yeah. the big tray and it's Yeah, it's wonderful. It's I amazing. always I do what Maya, I always say that Jen, the information coming out of Jennifer is like a buffet. There's so <laughs> much information coming out of her all the time. <laughs> Jennifer Maya, we joke that you never know who's going to be with us and you never know what's going to come out of their mouth. But I got to ask the two of you the hard question. I'm really curious, Michael, don't disappear on us. <laughs> What's going to happen uh, in in this post buffet world? I mean, in the pandemic, you know, post pandemic world, um, my you've obviously got a really fantastic crystal ball. You got in all the right things for all the right reasons at just the right time. So I'm going to ask you where where are we going next? Where I'm going to not call it your category, but you know, you really are one of the the, the world's the North America's leading influencers in this category. Where, where are you taking us next with this all? I mean, clearly you give us restaurant quality that we can acquire at any number of outlets, like you mentioned, the grocery stores and, and Whole Foods and Amazon. But where are we going next? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because... Um, it's just, you know, for so many years, I was hearing like Indians going to be the next big trend and it just never would popped like that. Right. It just, and of, of course it has, it's not a trend yeah. Indian food. Exactly. It's just, it just is right. It's just, yeah. it's I literally yeah. made curry chicken the other day for my kids. Yeah. So easily I did use coconut milk. So I kind of tied it up a little bit. Okay. You, like I, you like I said, tied it up, Jen? <laughs> Get that? T-H-A-I? Yeah. But I literally took the paste, right? I mean, I didn't make yeah. the paste. I took the paste and I put it with, with the coconut, yeah. the white part of the coconut milk. Yeah. And then yeah. I threw the chicken in and the kids went bonkers. They loved it. That's great. Well, I think that it's it's finally really changing. I mean, Indi Indian is the fastest growing. I mean, the whole, as you guys know, I mean, this is your business to know this stuff, but right. The international um, yeah. category is just growing like the fastest growing category. And within it, Indian is the fastest growing cuisine. So, you know, it's, it is, it, it, but it's been a slow build, right. and, but I do feel like now, especially that people are like, like purposefully, you know, pantry loading you know they're yeah. like really trying to figure out how to make that pantry full of things that are going to be interesting and and so instead of like opening up the fridge to look what am I going to eat they're like opening up their pantry because there's there's it's just jammed with a lot of options and a lot of options that make sense are international foods and as well as the like, vegans the, what about yeah. the, the vegetarians yeah. that's yeah. that's where so we talked a little bit you know, my best friend was a vegetarian for a long, very famous, Mike Tyson was a very famous vegetarian for a long time. He would all, he would eat probably Indian food four or five times a week. Yeah. Right. It was, it was amazing because that's what, that's what there is. Indian food is, is a, it just offers so many things to so many kinds of people, right? If you eat meat, if you don't eat meat, if you eat, 
if you don't, if you eat wheat, if you don't eat wheat, if you're vegan, you know, like you can just, there is so, there are so many delicious options that I, that's part of, I think why it's, it's starting to um, come to more and more people's attention is they realize that they're not sacrificing anything when they're eating Indian food. There's, it's still like a super fulfilling experience, even if there's no wheat or meat or dairy or any, like you take, take all that out and you still have a great meal. So I do think it's, yeah. And Maya, we have to cut this off because I know you've got to go in just a couple of minutes, but I want to make sure you tell everybody there are so many items in your line and they are pantry friendly and shelf stable. Can you hold up a couple of packages for us so we can see sure. what they look like? So, yep. So this is um, this is the sauce, just simmer sauces. You just add um, whatever you like. You can add chicken or chickpeas or cauliflower or, or whatever, you know, your favorite ingredient is and add the sauce, simmer it together. And that's your entree that's your main meal or if you want there's dal this is just like protein delicious um this one's green garbanzos it has um corn in it and other lentils so this is like a very flavorful bean option um, we also have rice i forgot to bring that out but we're and then we're just launching a chickpea line which is just oh, yeah. four different flavors of really yummy chickpea curries so that's an oh, and we make spicy ketchup, which is awesome. You should have it. Oh, we we're waiting for a care package. I smell care package. Jen, <laughs> care package. We'll take care of you. <laughs> Before we let her go, I want to point out, Michael, that when we talk about the confluence, Indian food is, and Maya Kamal's line of foods in particular is something that you will see at fancy food show. You will see it at the grocery show. You'll see it at the natural food show. It is really one of those remarkable lines that has multiple lives because it really does, as they say in Italian, cose fan tutti, there really is something for everybody. Hmm. Say that again before we go. That's so nice. <laughs> can, can she say that again, Maya? I'm looking. <laughs> He makes fun of me so much. Listen, Maya, before we let you go. Cosi fan tutte. <laughs> we, like to, we like to thank our friends in the business that come and spend time with us. You shared pictures of your family with us. Many of these recipes come from your tradition with your dad. Is there something that you say in your family the way I saw you with Julia Child? Of course, she's mm -hmm. famous for saying bon appetit. Do you yeah. have something that you that you say uh, like bon appetit? Oh, I would just you know namaste would be <laughs> you know it's just the ultimate sort of greeting and and wishing you well. So that would be it. And before I let you go, I want to say if you really want to get your kids interested in food, one of the yeah. wonderful things you can do by having prepared sauces and prepared dishes like these is you can. Teach your kids to cook with a very successful result. One of the ways you can do this is by having them prepare the vegetables or prepare mm -hmm. the rice that goes with these sauces, or if you choose a protein or another ingredient. Yeah. This is like a success kit for kids to get involved in cooking at home and, yeah. and tasting through. Think of that line like a virtual grocery store buffet. So right. instead of going up with your plate, you go up with your shopping cart and you try one of this and one of this to see what you like best. In that, I think Maya Kamal has been genius in what she's developed. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Maya, for giving yeah. us the time. I know you're busy, busy with the kids and everybody. So we appreciate this. It was really fun talking to you guys. Thank and, you. Thank you. And Michael, I want to tell you too, those sauces 
our, our mutual friend Raghavan Iyer has started a sort of a, a, a fusion. I hate that word, but I'm going to use it. An Indian pizza restaurant in Minneapolis. Yeah. And if you wanted to go and take some of these sauces and take the pizza dough that you buy at the grocery store. And instead of making red tomato sauce and mozzarella cheese, imagine taking some of these beautiful Maya Kamal sauces and making Maya Kamal pizzas with your kids. Ooh, we're doing it. We're doing it, Maya Kamal. And we're going to get you back on. Let's get all the kids on one day. We'll have a kid's show, pizza making kids show. <laughs> Sounds great. Namaste. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Isn't so she sweet. awesome? Yeah. And I didn't even want to have her on. I'm just kidding. Sweet. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what makes you made you me. Like that. This, honestly, I would be tuning what? in because I never know what's going to come out of your mouth. I can't wait for the Maya Kamal care package. It's very exciting. You will. I know. I'm going to do the pizza, though. Next time you come over, you can do the pizza for the kids. It's, it's a great well, idea. And like it's a butter, like what? A butter, like a tiki masala pizza? Or a vindaloo? Take your favorite pizza ingredients and just instead wow. of using red sauce, use these wonderful sauces. To How make. fun. Let's not tell everyone. That could be a great idea. I could be Gandhi Pizza Company could be coming out of this but and it could be owned by Michael Pollitt. But our friend, our, our magnificent friend, Raghavan Iyer has already done it. I don't know. So it doesn't matter. I didn't right, steal the so idea. Next up on the show with us is one of my favorite people. Well, that's not a good uh, way to start. You gave me the assignment and said, what the heck, what the hell's going on in California? I did. And said, go find somebody. We've got to figure out. And I have a few friends in California. One in particular, who's our next guest. Mm -hmm. He is the uh, West Coast brand ambassador, whiskey ambassador for the Bacardi family, whose mm -hmm. brands include, in addition to the Magnificent Rums, the Teeling Irish Whiskey and the Alberfeldi, uh Scots Whiskey. And as I will point out to you, uh -huh, a wee uh -huh. dram to finish out the week. I hate that, Jen. What? Anything. When you put apple juice up and tell me that it's somebody's whiskey, it's adorable. I know. I'm so you're so It's so Dean Martin of you. How about I get a match and I light it? How about I bring Drew in and we can keep this banter alive? How, how about I put a match to this and show you that it's not apple juice? But that's beside My it. God. Let's uh, so. Drew Record is joining us now from his uh, favorite bar stool in his uh, in his uh, favorite watering <laughs> hole in California to talk about actually what's going on in California and uh, to give us some updates about what's happening with the governor and with the restaurants and are they open or are they open and I feel like you know you and I've been getting conflicting messages for weeks but in particular this week we've got a lot of conflicting messages are we open are we not restaurants versus bars. Are the rules the same? What is going on? Drew Record, thank you for joining us, my friend. Yes, I Drew. You. Drew, how are you? I'm doing well, Jennifer. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. What's going you, on? You, Drew, you can thank me too, Jennifer. Why did he just say I'm doing well, Jennifer? I don't know what. I'm in a mood today. It's Friday. Did you notice that? I'm getting. I'm here with the kids all by myself. It's, it's Friday of a three-day weekend. Drew, oh, yeah. it's Friday. <laughs> Drew, what? Is it a three-day weekend? I don't even know what that means anymore. What it's do you Memorial mean? It's a Day weekend, silly. Silly, I understand. You, you get the weekend from home on Monday, right? Do we do that? Do we get to not have to go home on Monday? Thank you. <laughs> Wait, Jennifer, <laughs> does that mean we don't have a show on Monday? We have a great show on oh, Monday. Oh, my God. Jennifer, it's a holiday. Madonna even said <laughs> holiday. 
Uh, right. oh, one of my favorite God. bars in New York, Holiday. Holiday. Oh, all right. What am I going to do with you? I love it. Drew, I love you. I've known you a long time. I've watched you grow up in this business. I'm extraordinarily proud of you. And when you spread your wings and took your career and your incredible palette uh, to the West Coast, you landed at one of the foremost um, buzzy, successful, exciting places at the time uh, in the greater Bay Area and have had subsequent careers at even more buzzy, fun, award-winning places. Talk a little bit about you just to let people know who you are. Yeah. So, you know, I, I started as a singing bartender uh, in college just to uh, make ends meet. And, uh, you know, here I am now in, in San Francisco and, uh, you know, moved out here about six years ago and worked with the Natimius group at, uh, you know, Central Kitchen and uh, right next door to uh, the illustrious uh, Trick Dog Bar. Got involved with uh, the Bon Vivants guys there from Trick Dog and uh, helped open a hotel with them, uh, San Francisco proper. Uh, that was an uh, amazing experience. We, we opened uh, three bars and restaurants. Uh, in a you know a historic space in the the middle of uh, mid market San Francisco and uh, you know that hotel was nominated for uh, Tales of the Cocktail Spirited Award for uh, best American hotel bar and uh, that 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 felt like a nice little feather in the cap and uh, then Bacardi came around and said well you know hey do you want to go on the road and start talking about whiskey and uh, I said absolutely so that's that's where I am today uh, you know being able to to spread the love of this. Uh, uh, fantastic whiskey portfolio around the, the West Coast of America. You know, uh, they've done an extraordinary job of curating together brands with histories and traditions that really represent the full rainbow of whiskey expression globally. Can you give us an update very quickly about where we are in whiskey at this moment? Yeah, you know, uh, whiskey is in a great spot, uh, right? Uh, brown spirits have been uh, you know growing over the last several years. Uh, there's been a huge boom in bourbon, a big boom in Japanese whiskey. And uh, with that, it's been a rising tide for, for, for all whiskey, right? So people are, are digging back into the history of scotch and, uh, you know, getting into Irish whiskey. And uh, we're in a really unique space because, like you said, we, we have both the history of it and the innovative side. So on the history side, we've got a brand like Aberfeldy that was, you know, founded by Tommy Dewar and John Dewar, uh, you know, one of the historic Scotch grocers that, you know, really started blending. And on the innovative side, we've got the the Teeling Boys and, and uh, uh, Alex Chasco, who's been innovating in, in Irish whiskey in a way that, that no one has really been innovating, right? One of the first new distilleries to open in Dublin in 125 years. And so wow. we've got these two sides of things. Uh, it, it's really great to be able to represent these, these uh, beautiful whiskeys. Some interesting things have been happening since the pandemic hit. Um, can you talk a little bit about spirits in general during the last few months? Because some really notable things have happened. The bars have closed, but that didn't stop us. No, you know, uh, so the, the, the latest Nielsen numbers, uh, alcohol consumption in the United States is up, uh, you know, 12% or so. Uh, so people aren't drinking in bars and restaurants, obviously, because they're all closed, uh, but they're still drinking, right? And so we're seeing a, a couple of different trends. We're seeing folks going into their cellars and finding things that uh, maybe have been sitting there for a rainy day and, and today's that rainy day. Uh, and the, the other thing that I'm seeing that's really exciting and, and I hope, frankly, it gets to stick around is you've got all of these different states, California being one of them, uh, that have allowed to-go cocktails to be part of the landscape right. for the first time, right? Uh, you know, outside of Las Vegas and New Orleans, New Orleans 
and uh, you know, had a few markets here and there that to go liquor, um, but it's right? most states said no, 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 consume in this you know little set forth parcel of land, uh, and you can't take that to go. And and so now this whole new market has opened up where bars and restaurants are allowed to put together uh, beautiful, innovative cocktails on you know small cocktails, large cocktails. Uh, and people can pick them up. They can get delivered to your house. It's just a whole uh, whole new world out there. And California is one of the places where that's happening. Yeah, you know, uh, we were so we we've been watching this right moment by moment as as the whole you know pandemic has been unfolding. And you know, I've got colleagues all around the world, and I'm on daily and weekly calls, uh, you know, with folks from the the London office, from the Miami office, from New York. And so, you know, I get this really unique perspective. Uh, New York was one of the first to allow to-go cocktails, and, and we were crossing our fingers here in California. And a few days later, California, you know, unveiled its go cocktails. And you know, one of the big unanswered questions right now is uh, how long will it last? Right? When restaurants begin to reopen, are they going to clamp back down on you know to-go cocktails, or is this going to be a permanent part of the landscape? We don't know that. Uh, you know, the governor of California, you know, Gavin Newsom, he's got a background in, in bars and restaurants, right? Uh, you know, a few of my favorite spots in town, uh, you know, he used to own. He had to divest himself when he became, you know, governor. But, uh, you know, those bars are still there, right? And so uh, it's it's an industry that's near and dear to his heart. So our hope is that uh, it continues to be a part of uh, the, the landscape. But, you know, we don't have that answer yet. Um, we are toasting and tippling through this experience in ways that are telling us a lot about what's important and where we're going. What is it telling us about what's important and what's it telling us about where we're going? Well, you know, the thing that drew me to hospitality all those years ago are the people, right? And that's still what's the most important for all of us. Um, it's celebrating all of the small moments with the people who are nearest and dearest to us. And if we can't do that across the bar, um, it's finding ways of doing that in our own homes. Uh, you know, a social distance happy hour, right? With, uh, you know, chairs set at six feet, uh, you know, apart in a, a park or someone's driveway. Um, you know, that brief interaction, uh, being able to still go to your favorite bar or restaurant and pick up, uh, you know, that cocktail and, and a, a bite to eat and, and still being able to share those moments. Um, you know, it's really about the humanity. Uh, we we have a feed that unfortunately um, you know we we get news on on the restaurants and the bars that are are closing uh, you know every day permanently and the thing that's been so devastating for us is um, just the the human aspect of all of that right these are our friends these are our colleagues um, you know I was in operations for you know 13 years before I I, I got onto the supply side of things. And, you know, I, I'm you know, lucky to still have a job today in, in the middle of all this, uh, you know, but a lot of my friends and, and colleagues you know, aren't so lucky right now. And so so really what's what's the most important thing is, is you know, finding this time, finding these moments to, to still share some humanity, um, you know, uh, with with a glass, uh, you know, with with our friends and, and neighbors. What is open and what's not open and what is the mandate? And is it by city, county, state? It, who's deciding what's open in California right now? Uh, all, all of the above, Jennifer. Uh, so the, the the governor put out a, a several page long document uh, about the the next steps and what restaurant opening will look like. Uh, the the counties and the cities, depending, uh, they all have their own plans as well. Uh, so up here in the Bay, where I am, 
you know, the mayor of San Francisco, the mayor of Oakland and, and the Bay Area County, they have a coalition that they're all going to, to work together. So with the city of Berkeley and, and all the surrounding counties, uh, you know, we're, we're all working together. Uh, and, and one of the things that you're seeing is actually a, a shift to opening up more outdoor spaces. And so originally we had thought that we were going to see a, a reduction in capacity when when uh, restaurants reopen. And uh, we haven't heard anything about reduction of incapacity from the governor. Like what we've heard about- with it, Right, like in other jurisdictions where they're saying you have to go to 50% capacity. Right. That's right. right. In, instead, we're, we're talking about uh, social distancing. We're talking about uh, you know responsible distancing. And so what that looks like for restaurants in California from the, 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 the roadmap at the moment is either physical barriers and space between the seating, right? So you've got to put something in between, you know, booth one and booth two, um, or you've got Without to separate a curtain or plexi or something. Yeah, a curtain, a partition, you know, what, whatever that looks like. Um, you know, people are taking it different ways. Uh, but the big push, and this is what's exciting, is that uh, you know Berkeley really led the charge, and San Francisco's getting on board too, uh, with allowing open outdoor space to be converted to, to usable restaurant space, right? So being able to shut down sidewalks, streets, parking lots, and being able to put tables out there, move tables from inside to out because of you know what we know about you know transition, you know transmission spread outside versus in. These are all things that I think are going to become part of the fabric. Uh, and we actually saw the the, the California the ABC, the, the folks that control the, the liquor department, uh, are 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 putting forms together in place for restaurant openers uh, operators to uh, you know be able to expand their footprint, right, and say, hey, this is this is what our new patio is going to look like. Um, and and so this is great news. Uh, the unanswered questions that we still have: when is this going to happen? It's you know it's all based on each county or each city hitting certain metrics, right? Uh, not having so many new cases per 10,000, you know, individuals, uh, you know, still having capacity in the hospitals. These are all the unanswered questions. And the big one for me and a lot of my friends is that this all pertains to restaurants and they haven't answered what we're doing for bars. Uh, so if you don't have a license to sell food and booze together, they still haven't really said what you can do. Um, there's a caveat where a bar can partner with food trucks. And so bars and food trucks partner together and open back up, which is great. But, you know, if you don't have the space for the food truck, uh, you know, what are you going to do as a bar operator? So that's that's the really big unanswered question in California. Are people in California bringing their own personal metal straws, bringing their own drinks, glassware? Uh, what are people doing? Are they bringing well, their own you know, flatware? Are they bringing their own, you know, fork, knife and spoon? It's interesting. So, you know, we, we saw this big push right uh, in the, the months before this all happened. Uh, you know, San Francisco had banned uh, plastic straws. Uh, single use items were you know being charged. There was going to go into effect a, uh, a mandated extra charge on to go boxes, right, for restaurants in the Bay Area. And all of these things have been, uh, you know, pushed aside. Uh, you know, when I go to the grocery store, I'm not allowed to bring my reusable bags. Um, you know, I have to use the store bag, right? And so, uh, you know, it's one of the things that, you know, as a company, you know, Bacardi, we're very committed to uh, the environmental impact, right? We want to look at our single-use plastics and, and how uh, we are on a daily basis, uh, you know, in, in impacting the environment. And so, uh, you know, reusable glass, reusable, uh, you know, is certainly a, a way that we want to go for packaging with the bars. Um, but some of that, the supply chain is broken down. Uh, you know, when, when my bars reached out to me and said, hey, I'm doing cocktails to go. Uh, do you know anyone that's got glassware? I said, yeah, I've got three vendors. And as soon as I reached out to those three vendors, 
all three of them told me it would take two months to get a shipment that normally would have taken a week and a half because wow. they were they were non-essential, right? And so then we all went to the, the next available, which was uh, you know a company that had available plastic containers. And that worked for about two weeks until everyone bought them out of their supply. Right. And then California was out of these plastic containers, uh, the, the kind that you would use for juice bottles, right? And so we've constantly been looking for uh, new streams of, of to-go items. Uh, it's it's really been uh, you know trying to stay ahead of the curve has been hard. And, and it's so interesting that a company like Bacardi would be one of the parties involved in this because we can look back at the history and the extraordinary families that have been part of this legacy from from Don Facundo Bacardi, uh, going back to those days when the demijohns were covered in wicker and reused and refilled. I mean, th this is a this is there may be lessons from the past for our future. Um, it's very interesting. And of course, places are using those pouches. Uh, and But if you go around oh, yeah. the world, there are places all over Asia where you can get your to-go drink in a bag. Yeah, my, my favorite innovative uh, vessel that I've seen is uh, you know, just uh, the plastic deli containers that you would get potato salad or, you know, takeout yeah. soup in, right? And so you've got a quart container with a lid and they just, you know, cut a hole in the middle, you stick a straw in it and uh, you've got yourself, a you know, one darn big sippy cup. And I'm sure anyone who's watching the show who's, uh, you know, a line cook, uh, they're familiar with drinking out of deli cups because that's uh, usually, you know, what you have on the line. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's every, everyone's, you know, finding whatever ways they can to, to innovate, right? Yeah. Um, it's It's a matter of, uh, we're we're all in this together, and so we, we've got to figure out what works. But Drew, when you go and you get a boba, isn't it always in a deli container? Honestly, I mean, isn't it like <laughs> a deli container that boba, right? <laughs> Jennifer, have you had a boba? Uh, no, I have not. I get double boba balls, and I get a jelly leche thing. It is so unbelievable, and I'm just thinking, you know what? It's in a deli container. I always go, this is a ridiculous thing to drink out of. And you're drinking. It's like, oh, you know what I mean? You're like, <laughs> you become very, uh, what's that called, Jennifer, when you go back in time? Very, you're, you know, a caveman. You're caveman. You know, it's like drinking out. It's so unsophisticated. Very, well, favorite, very different favorite, from what Drew is. My, my, my favorite place up in Vancouver is the Ziva's Tea. And they do a hot fruit tea with and without the boba bubble in the bottom. Do they do it without the fruit? No, you got to have the fruit. It's, it's an insane. That would be the oxymoron, a hot fruit tea, no fruit. It's No, no, <laughs> no. You, 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 I've got to take you there. And then they do the little bubble anyway. waffle, but that's another story. But the, yeah, no, I love that. I, I get my tapioca pearls in uh, slushies, like my mango slushie. All right. She's from Drew. She's trying to act like she's never heard of it. Look at her. She knows what's going on. <laughs> she's got her warm tapioca pearl. She's got the words down, pearls. She's got the vernacular. You could right now, Jennifer, walk out of that place, start serving honeydew melon bobas. Mmm. With a little bit of Bacardi. Um, Drew Record is our guest. He joins us from his uh, favorite watering hole in the What hole is that, Drew? Uh, well, you know, uh, luckily I've been I've been preparing for uh, a zombie apocalypse with lots and lots of booze for a very long time, and so I, I've been well supplied, uh, you know, during this quarantine. Uh, it's also given me a, a chance to dust off some of my, uh, you know, favorite bottles from the cellar that I went, no, 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 I don't need to drink those. And I was like, yeah, you know, now's the time. 
One of my friends is in San Francisco, a guy named Stephen Jenkins, and he's got a band, a little tiny band called Third Eye Blind. And he's <laughs> and he's just and he's created a tequila called Summer Gods. Have you have you tried it yet? The Blanco? He uh, only no, I haven't Blanco. gotten a chance to, but uh you know, it, it, it seems like, uh, you know, every day there's a, there's a new spirit on the market. Uh, uh, this you know, there's, is, there's certainly I, a taste for it. I thought that, and I, you know, just generally everyone's getting into the space, right? This is the most, and Stephen, everything he does is precise, right? Every, I mean, that's the best word I could use for him. We'll have him on the show soon. Um, I'm going to connect you guys. I want you to, this is the most incredible Blanco, the way it's sourced. He literally went to Mexico. He didn't just slap his name on it because... His name isn't really on it. It's just called Summer Gods, right? But he really wanted to build the best Blanco tequila for his buddies when they're out surfing and the luxury lifestyle to drink. And uh, I want, I'm want i going to connect you guys because I think I would love to have you try that with him. Well, you know, that's uh, I, I'm always looking to, to try a, a new agave spirit. I mean, it'll be hard to, uh, you know, beat the Cazadores or Patron in, in, you know, the love of my heart. But I'm always happy to, to try a, a new spirit. Well, well that'll be exciting. Drew, will you, before we let you go, because Drew's actually a wonderful writer, and he's a, he's a poet, among other things. He's a true artist. He's a renaissance man, uh, as you've probably been able to tell. Uh, but before we let you go, uh, it, do you have a toast that you can share with us uh, from the uh, Alberfeldi tradition uh, that might be appropriate for this time? Well, uh, you know, when, when I first took the job, uh, I, I dove pretty deeply into, uh, you know, the poetry of, uh, you know, uh, Bobby Burns, Robert Burns, uh, you know, the, the nas nas national poet of, of Scotland. Uh, and, and really the, the themes that come up throughout so much of his writing um, is about the beauty of nature uh, and about the beauty of human connection, right? And so, you know, the things that I, I would, uh, you know, leave you with, uh, uh, I, I had to close the blinds behind me here. Uh, you know, because otherwise it was too glare. Uh, but I have a I have a lovely Japanese uh, red oak out in the the yard there. Uh, and and you know, in the middle of calls, if I'm starting to feel a little bit overwhelmed, uh, you know, I just like to you know look at that tree and, and see the the leaves you know fluttering in the breeze and you know changing from the dark red on the one side to the lighter red. Uh, you know, I, I think just taking a moment uh, to to look at the natural splendor around you, finding something that you can see beauty in, and uh, you know, it's a good way to center yourself. Drew Record is one of my all-time favorite people on the planet. Now you can see why. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank, thank you for you having Drew. me. Here. Thank you, Drew. You're amazing. And thank you for being friends with Jennifer, Drew. Oh, you know, uh, I'm I'm still waiting for that check uh, in the mail to be friends, yeah. right? I don't. I feel no. like I I don't want to be the only one. So thank huh. you, Jennifer. No, I, I, I I've loved being friends with Jennifer for a very long time. Yeah. Have you known Drew as long as you've known me, Jen? I've I've known Drew a very long time. I've I've really watched him uh, grow up in this business. I'm so old. I can tell you that that uh, <laughs> I, I might not have been legal when I first met you. What? Okay, <laughs> this conversation's going south. Wait, I was legal when you first met me. You were. But thank you, Drew. We're going to stay in touch, and we're going to keep checking in with you periodically, if you don't mind. And you know. Yeah, absolutely. Could you shave, though, for next time? I'd like to have clean-shaven men on my show. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Go He's ahead, Jack. that whiskey lumberjack shirt on, though. I love it. Drew, thank you. We'll Thanks, talk to you. Love you. Stay safe. Love what a good guy. What Do a I good guy. Say that? I can't wait till we get rid of a guest, and I go, what a jerk.
but you don't mean it. Well, I will then, but who's yeah, that going to be? You can't help yourself. I'm sure there's jerks out there. We got to find one. Jerk no. alert. Jerk. I, I do a lot of work to make sure those. Who's Ken, who's Ken Rizzolo? Hey, I love Ken Rizzolo. How are you? He's a great chef. He's in California. I'm glad he found us. How oh, are you? I'm love so you. happy to see you. We've got to have him on. The, he needs to have his own show. Maybe he does. And I just didn't didn't know about it yet. But we got to have him on. Hey, okay. Ken. Um, and everybody. I'll tell everybody this. It's a long weekend. I'd love to hear from you. My email is, Michael, can you put this on? Ken, take this down. Uh, I'm scared, uh, Jennifer. I don't want all these handsome guys reaching out to you. He is so, and actually it's funny. I was thinking of them the other day because I I have a friend who has a Moto Guzzi, a rare Moto Guzzi Le Mans motorcycle, and I was thinking of Ken. What? Because That's he, why, and now he, there he is here. He's you an so, so it's spiritskitchen at gmail.com. All right. There's Jennifer's email address. Men, don't me. start, don't, I don't want anyone to start calling her and asking her out. Too much, too much. Uh-oh, Ken said friend me. <laughs> I will, I will. I don't like where this is going. How can I don't you like not? This is the conviviality of the industry we're in. This is our Oh, world. now it's getting even. Now Ken's going to the, the slide into, he meant slide into my DMs, Jennifer. Friend requests me and then slide into my DMs. What is going on? My you're, God. You know, it's, you know, it's funny, Michael, when wow. he comes on the show, you're going to be like, oh my God, you were so, you were, you were right. We I needed was. to have him come on. Listen, I can't believe Drew was so great. And Maya, I loved her today. These are I mean, our friends. We had a great show. You sound surprised. I'm not surprised. I mean, we've had a very busy day. Look, I, I'm not going to lie. I've been going off air to change the poopies of a three-year-old and <laughs> coming back on. And then Instagram showed up. And then my wife is out doing something with her father. I'm all, I got all the kids screaming at me. I got someone working on the washer and dryer right now. I can't right, even well, tell you. I'll remind you and everyone that's uh, with us. But how am I doing? Would you even know I was under that kind of pressure today? And I'm returning emails. I will remind everybody that uh, if you can, hug your kids, count your blessings, and tune in next week. Have a really safe and fun, 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 and delicious Memorial Day weekend. And we'll see you Memorial Day is what you're saying? We'll I Memorial Day. We're going to have a Memorial Day special. So you want me to work on a holiday? I'll work. Are we getting time and a half? I don't know. You're the boss. Well, we get zero, so I'm assuming zero. <laughs> sure. You get zero and a half. Yeah, send it through. All right, Jen. Have a have a great we'll see you weekend. Monday. Thank you, my dear.